But if you decide to stay on your career path or move, it will still be hard work no matter what. I think people don't realize how important it is to have that continuous learning mentality, whichever way you decide to go. Renata Bernardi, and this is the Job Hunting Podcast, where I interview experts and professionals and discuss issues that are important for job hunters and those who are working to advance their careers. So make sure that you subscribe and follow, and let's dive right in. A couple of weeks ago, I was on a panel for a professional association here in Australia called CPA Australia. If you're in the U.S., It's similar to CPA in the U.S., so it's the Accounting Certification and Membership Association. And the topic of that panel discussion was, are you ready to future-proof your career? It was really interesting in terms of the panelists. It was myself, and then we had Jennifer Both, who is the CFO of Quantum IT, which is a startup here in Australia, and we had Peter Grist, who is a principal economist at an industry body called the Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry. And the moderator was Hacia Atherton, and Hacia is a well-known life coach, and she's also a CPA and, and deputy chair of one of the CPA committees. So it was really lovely. It was about an hour and a half, and we had a great discussion. And I'd like to share with you some of the answers of the questions that I was asked during that panel discussion because I thought that they were really insightful and I hope that my answers, which are pretty much about my career and my thoughts and ideas, were useful. I could tell by the, you know, the little chat box and, and people commenting there. And I also the next day received some lovely comments and feedback on my LinkedIn and requests for connections on LinkedIn with feedback about the webinar. So I thought, I think I should share my answers with you. So here we go. The first question I was asked was, what do you think the future will look like for professionals in terms of job roles and skills and competencies that they will require? As I work with more experienced professionals, these are professionals that have already had at least a decade of work under their belt, if not more, I'm always interested in what next, right? So I'm assuming people would, would have finished their university degrees, maybe even a master's or additional professional development. They have gained experience in their field. What do they need to do next to guarantee their career progression and future-proof their careers? I truly believe people don't really pay attention to the importance of understanding your leadership style and what's necessary for you to know about your style and how you can plug in and play at different stages of an organization's growth and development and where you fit best. We had a great discussion uh, a few episodes ago with a leadership expert, and I'll put that link below so you might want to go and check out that episode. And this is so important, you know, to understand that it's not about talking about what a great leader you are and how you, you're results driven or you drive performance and you connect with people or you're a servant leader. It's really about 
understanding how your leadership style aligns with the stage of the organization. Does the organization need a leadership that needs to come in and fix things or grow things or build things or be a visionary and start sort of recreating an organization that you know, is out of touch with its with the trends in the market and what's going on for their industry. So this is super important, right? So understanding leadership, reading about leadership is really important for those more experienced professionals. I mean, you can start at any time, but if you're in your mid-30s and older and you don't understand leadership and you can't confidently talk about it, it's time for you to buy a book <laughs> or listen to some interesting podcasts here on the Job Hunting Podcast. You can go to my podcast. There's leadership development as a category there on my blog, and you can click there and just listen to the whole playlist, right? And then when you think about areas that I think corporate professionals are drawn to, I can see this in my practice. I hear about it all the time when I'm on LinkedIn, when I'm reading trends in the industry is ESG. Right, so ESJ is a big area, cybersecurity, big area, AI, big area. Do you see your profession being impacted by those up and coming trends? They're not just trends, they're probably here to stay, right? It may be that you will need to update your your learning and professional development in this space, but not only that, you might need to unlearn things from the past. If you've been working for a long time and you're in, a, for example, an accountant or a finance professional or, a, you know, in the sort of legal area of an organization, you may have gone to university way before ESG was a thing. So you may need to educate yourself on what an organization needs to do in terms of compliance, in terms of policy, in terms of business strategy to comply and start heading in that direction. You can be the advocate or the champion, or you can lag behind. And I think that that's, you know, a problematic in terms of future-proofing your career if you're lagging behind. It's also something that I see often that people come to me for career coaching and they start working with me and they're like, I'm really interested in cybersecurity. I'm really interested in ESG and I want to apply for these jobs that have, you know, the request of ESG experience or cybersecurity experience. So they are competing with people that may have extensive knowledge on these areas, right? So these things, we often overestimate what we can achieve in 12 months, let's say, and we underestimate what we can achieve in five years, in 10 years. So you can start now, start from scratch and build your knowledge over time. And I think that would be really beneficial to future-proof your career. And finally, developing networks in these new areas. I wrote a LinkedIn post a few weeks ago about ESG in particular. It was a post that LinkedIn News asked me to write because they wanted to quote me on an article which I think they did. I can't remember now. <laughs> if they did, I'll post both of them below in the links in the episode show notes. I'll definitely post the, the blog post because the, the LinkedIn post, because the LinkedIn post was really my thoughts on what I think professionals should do. And basically, in summary, that's what I spoke about. It's about professional development. It's about unlearning and learning new ways of doing business and advocating internally for the areas of expertise that you believe are important, not just 
for you, but for the organization you work for and developing new networks so that you can grow in this new area of interest for you. I hope that you like this answer. I, you know, I thought that was pretty interesting. I know it resonated with people during the panel discussion because I could see questions coming in after we, the panelists answered this question. They had different answers, of course. We all kind of complemented each other. But I'm going to focus on what I said for you. Then the moderator asked me, I know we've touched on technology. But what other skills and competencies do you envisage will be highly sought after in the future? So, yeah, so we, the entire panel, discussed things about technology to future-proof your career and, and the importance of that. But Hacia, the moderator, wanted us to go a bit deeper on other skills and competencies. So I talked about remote leadership and high-performing teams that are remote and developing organizational cultures that are remote or hybrid. And I think that this is right now, it's not the future, it's today. This is right now very desirable for employers and much needed in corporate work space, as you probably know. So we are still adapting to a remote or hybrid workplace environment and understanding how to drive high-performance projects, high-performance teams, and a positive corporate culture that is hybrid is really important and crucial for us employers to achieve what we want, which is that flexibility in how we work. We know that that's what employees want because they've been asking for it and there's pushback from employers and we're still sort of negotiating how to move forward, right? But if we can prove to employers that we can be high-performing, working hybridly or working remotely, that's really going to help us crystallize the benefits that we've seen since the pandemics of working from home, if this is what most of us in the corporate world seems to, to be inclined to do. So I think that understanding how to do that is really important. This is not new research in management research. We've been researching uh, remote leadership styles and leading from afar, you know, from my understanding since, since the 70s. I've read that type of research when I was studying and doing my honors degree, which in Australia is the equivalent of a master's in the US. And I fell in love with that research and I thought it was so interesting. And it's now probably going to be picked up again. And I'm hoping to see more research coming up on that sort of remote leadership and, and how to promote it and how to develop a high-performance organization with remote and hybrid workforce. So I would really encourage you to Google it, start reading about it, and get to know how you can become a great leader and a great member of a team that works in that sort of hybrid space. Then we moved on to talk about the rhetoric about the fear of technology replacing professionals and corporate professionals in particular. So the moderator asked, you know, what we thought about it. And you know how 
big a fan I am of AI. <laughs> I think AI is a great resource for job seekers. It makes your life much easier. I'm not afraid of it as a career coach. I don't think it will replace my services. In fact, I've seen my services only grow in the past year. And I've been talking about JetGPT nonstop. You're probably tired about it <laughs> because I talk about it so much and I have not seen any decline in, in the work that I do. I think it's important for professionals to understand the importance of technology in the recruitment and selection process. So I advocate for knowledge and education of employees and job seekers in understanding how technology can impact recruitment and selection and therefore their careers. So the more you understand technology, the more you can future-proof your career outcomes and professional development, right? So there's that space where I operate in. In terms of you operating as a professional, and understanding technology that is so important. We talk a lot about ageism and I, of course, a great advocate for anyone who wants to work for as long as they want and wants to be involved in their careers and have drive and energy and so forth or just need, they need to work and they need to pay the bills. Most of my clients are in the second half of their career. So I, I love and I'm passionate about giving them that sense of control of outcomes and so forth. And one of the most important things that can give you that sense of control is educating yourself on the technology involved in doing the work that you do and in your professional. When I talk to career changers or people that are considering career change, if they have that fear of changing careers, I often say this, no matter what you decide to do, if you decide to stay on your career path or move, it will still be hard work no matter what. I think people don't realize how important it is to have that continuous learning mentality, whichever way you decide to go. If you are a marketing manager and you want to continue being a great marketing manager and having and future-proofing your career for the next 5, 10, 15 years, the most important thing that you need to do is to understand what marketing managers do right now and what marketing managers will be doing five years from now. And that will most certainly involve understanding technology as well as what I've said before about remote leadership and, and so forth. So if you want to change careers, then Yep, you would still have to learn that new and educate yourself in that new career. So regardless of what you want to do, there is work to be done in terms of professional development. So this is why I think sometimes people overestimate what they will need to do in terms of enabling career change and they underestimate what they need to do in order to future-proof their current careers. I hope that makes sense. So I'm very pragmatic about technology. I think we need to engage with it and understand it and be resourceful, be receptive to it, and also manage the risk of whatever profession we have being negatively impacted by technology, which means we could lose our jobs in the future. So always manage that risk well by maybe sprinkling your expertise in more than one area or developing a side hustle or changing careers, you know, like you have to really investigate this. This could be a little project that you can do for a few months and understand this. Now, I'll tell you a story. <laughs> Back in the late 90s, I thought travel agents were gone, were done, and I should sell my travel agency. So 
that's what I did. I sold my travel agency, which I started and built for seven years. And look, I was going to sell it anyway because we wanted to move to Australia. But it started off as that sort of uh, scary feeling that technology would take up the jobs of travel agents and we wouldn't exist anymore. And now I see, you know, travel agents everywhere. I sold the travel agency and it's still up and running <laughs> and doing quite well. I have a, a son who does not travel without a travel agent. He loves having a travel agent supporting his business trips and there you go. So, you know, I overmanaged that risk, to be honest. So I'm telling the story because I don't want anybody to freak out <laughs> and think that their jobs will disappear. Because, you know, if I had stayed in Brazil, I would probably be a travel agent and doing quite well. Because every time I go to Brazil, I visit my old travel agency and I get a little bit, you know, sad that I'm not there because I really love doing that work. Anyway, here I am now. <laughs> I feel like I've lived a hundred lives sometimes. And then we moved on to talk about what I did. What's one thing that I've done to help progress my career? Now, if you've been listening to the Job Hunting Podcast, this won't be news to you. But I've always put courage in front of confidence. So when I was asked about what I did personally that I think looking back in hindsight made me different from other people was that I wasn't afraid to give it a go. Even if I, you know, wasn't successful, I was always very brave. Bravery and valor is one of my character strengths and I know that. And <laughs> my father and my mother would agree that I am brave. My dad would say stubborn. <laughs> but yeah, so courage in front of confidence. A lot of times, and this is the feedback that I received via LinkedIn messages after the webinar, was that the people resonated with what I said about courage. Sometimes people think, oh, I'm not confident enough, or can, can you coach me so I can become more confident? And frankly, it's all about courage. Whenever you're looking for a new job, there will always be a gap of knowledge. There will always be a gap of knowledge between the job seeker and the new job, right? There's no way around it. So much so that the second more stressful thing after, you know, looking for a job and not having one is having a new job. I'll tell you that. <laughs> People underestimate how stressful it can be the first year in a job and it's a steep learning curve you're still finding your feet it's very hard you don't know things you don't know people and they're, they're, you won't be confident you know for the first year you will need courage you need courage to go through the recruitment process and to put yourself out there and you would need courage to start a new job so that's what I said I also said planning ahead of action. Now, this was really interesting because we I had a bit of pushback from one of the panelists about that, where this other panelist was like, oh, you know, I, I didn't plan my career. I was more like, you know, paying attention to opportunities. And look, I, as a woman, I had no choice but to plan my career because I wanted kids and I wanted a family. And if you want it all, you have to plan. There is no way around it, okay? And I remember way before I even thought about being a career coach, I 
would always have friends asking me because I had kids very young. They would say, oh, you know, should I have kids before I do my PhD or after I do my PhD? Should I have kids before, you know, I take on a new promotion or after? So I remember I was sort of ahead of the game a little bit because I had kids early and I had my business. I, I mentioned before I had a travel agency and people used to come for me for advice. Women used to come for me for advice. And it's important to plan these things and ask for advice and hear from other women and, and learn. And it may not be exactly what you decide to do, but at least you have some idea of what can happen once you start having kids and want your career to progress at the same time. It's not easy. So planning ahead of action, I think, is imperative for Anybody that wants to have a family these days where, you know, I had kids in the early 90s. Now we're in a much more fair society and, and where men and women need to think about their careers if, you know, we're thinking about couples here. And even if that's not in your plan or not in your near future, it will not hurt you to have plans ahead of action. It makes you a better job candidate. If you're talking about confidence, it really boosts your confidence and your ability to speak about yourself if you have thought about what you want for your career. So having said that, I did mention to the audience that I agreed that understanding the value of opportunities and taking them up as they come along is also really important. And I feel like from my experience and also the research that I've read, men tend to take up more opportunities than women when they come. Women tend to overthink it and let opportunities go by and not take them up. And I've mentioned this to a few women that I work with. Look, I want you to reconsider this. I want you to know that in you know in my practice I see more men taking up opportunities than women. I think women wait too long, overthink it, and that is to their detriment and you know I want you to know that that's what I've been observing. Frankly, I need more time to back it up with with research that I'm probably read years ago and I I kind of lost track of it. So I want you to, for now, just think about of this anecdotally, <laughs> just in terms of, you know, people that take up career coaching with me. Most are men. I think I mentioned that before. And now I've decided that whenever a woman decides to book a discovery call with me, which you can do on my website if you're interested in private coaching, I tell them this. I say, look, men just sign up straight away. Women take forever and then overthink it. And, you know, and I, I want you to know that that's my observation and I want to help you as much as I want to help men. So think about it. So those were the things I spoke about in terms of what I've done in, in terms of future proofing my career. I am a planner. It comes naturally to you, but I think it can be learned. And what it, that's what I teach when I run the group coaching program. It's all about planning and having that framework for job hunting. And when I work with my clients, again, it's all about understanding that there is a recipe for recruitment and selection and you can learn it and you can plan ahead and have better results quicker. I want things to be quicker. I don't, I'm not saying you're never going to fail. I just want you to fail less <laughs> and reduce the time you spend looking for work. Another question was this. One of our key learnings today is to hear about economic global trends that may affect our profession in years to come. Can you provide us with some insights of what these might be? 
Again, I spoke about remote leadership, high-performance teams, and most importantly, I spoke about culture. Culture is now a big problem. Everybody wants to work at a better place. Everybody's seeking culture. When you think about it, it makes sense and I understand it. But I also want people to do a bit of self-reflection and understand that we are all contributing to culture. And wherever we go may not just fix the problem. We may need to learn about culture to be better participants and contributors to culture. So when you look for a workplace that has great culture, if they are that good, as good as it's advertised, as good as you can tell and feel from your intuition going through the recruitment, they will be seeking people that will be great contributors to their culture. So I want you to be prepared for that, to future-proof your career and understand what are your career drivers, what are your personal values, what are your strengths, how can you contribute to their culture if you're interested in working for that organization. Talent Predicts, which is the strengths assessment test that I use, is a great, easy, fast way to help you understand how to present yourself and also how to choose the best culture for yourself and not just apply at random. So it may be that you are the sort of professional that will thrive in a startup culture and not in a government department or vice versa. There is no right or wrong answer for anybody. We need all of these organizations out there, but which type of culture suits you? So instead of just looking for a better workplace and a better culture, understand the cultures that suit you. So I hope this helps. I've been meaning to tell you this for a while, listeners, <laughs> because whenever I do the free job hunting masterclass, I'm planning on doing one. Oh, can I do one before the end of the year? I don't think so. I will definitely do one late January. So stick around, sign up for my newsletter, because I'll definitely be doing one then. But whenever I do it and I ask, what are you seeking? Why are you here? Why are you looking for work? It's always about a job culture and a better culture. So yeah, you need to know what culture is. (laughs) There are great, great resources out there. And I mean, even in this podcast, we've spoken to professionals and employers, and I hope that you have found some great interviews and opportunities to learn from, from previous episodes. I can't believe we've been going on for four years. Oh my God, <laughs> it's amazing. The next question was about crisis management and adaptability as being important for these uncertain times. We're possibly going into an economic downturn in 2024. We're recording this in 2023 and we had an economist on the panel. So of course he he spoke about that. And the moderator asked, what experiences or skills can we use to navigate this economic downturn and unexpected challenges? So I spoke about personal agility and the ability to pivot. There is a specific episode on the Job Hunting Podcast with Marianne Rue, who is an expert on personal agility, and she's also an expert in the future of work. So I highly recommend that episode, and I'll put a link in the show notes. 
I also mentioned it's important for us as human beings to understand the difference between tapping on our intuition rather than tapping on our instinct. So instinct is fight and flight, is sort of part of our DNA for survival, and we needed that, and it's still very useful for many different situations out there, but it's overused. When you're looking for work, when you're have been made redundant or you hate the job that you currently have, we need to know, we need to tell ourselves we're not going to die, right? That fight and flight is not necessary for career transition, for job seeking. In fact, it can be detrimental to your performance at interviews. If you walk into interviews anxious, stressed, worried, fearful, that is all fight and flight. And it will affect your cognitive ability. It will narrow it down. You won't be able to think as creatively or retrieve things from your long-term memory when you're asked questions that are behavioral questions and want you to refer to examples from the past. If you use your intuition, however, you are much better off because intuition is all about experience. We build intuition over time based on our lives, the way that we live, the things we've learned. So if you're a professional with experience, you'll become better and better at intuitively know if that is a good workplace for you as the recruitment process goes by, if the people are in front of you being interviewed are experts in their fields or not, if they understand what you do or not. And if you're tapping into that, you can navigate the interview process way better. You can make decisions to go forward with the selection process or step out if you think that's not a good place for you to work. And also having foresight and not just forecasting abilities. We were speaking with accountants. It was an event organized by CPA. Accountants are great at forecasting, which is looking back and gathering numbers and, and predicting things based on previous results. We are in a time of our lives. <laughs> we are growing and changing rapidly and exponentially, right? So foresight now is so important because things are not performing the way that they used to. Climate, markets, you know, everything that we measure now is kind of different. And we need to understand that forecast is very important, but foresight is about creative thinking. It's about brainstorming with others and understanding that the world is changing at a rapid pace. All right. Then Hacia asked, you have all made various career moves to get to where you are today. What has been one of the biggest surprises or learnings in your career to date? Now, if I knew how stress at work affects my personal health, I would have made, I believe I would have been smart and made different decisions in my life. If I had known that bad work environments really affect my mental health and my physical health, I would have probably moved out of jobs earlier. Sometimes I overstayed because I was afraid that by moving too soon, it would send the job market the wrong message about me. I don't think we need to worry about that anymore. 
It is true that the return on your investment when you change jobs comes if you stay in a job for three years. That's how I feel about it personally, because the first year is quite messy. It's a steep learning curve. You are a fish out of water. You're still learning. You have to go through that whole cycle first. And then the second year becomes easier and the third year is even easier. Even if the workplace is challenging and difficult, you know what you need to do. You understand the personalities and the politics and, and so forth. And you m might be able to better influence outcomes as well. So the return on your investment on making career moves, I think, is to stay for at least three years. However, if a bad work environment is affecting you, move out. You know, you don't need to stay as long as you think you need to stay. And that is something that I sometimes wish I could tell more people. And sometimes people book discovery calls with me and they come with a set mindset and I can't change them. <laughs> Even in consultations, right? When they're working with me for a few months, then, then we can slowly kind of reset their minds and unlearn some things about how recruiters think and how employers think. But, you know, I had this conversation with um, a friend who employs people and she said, oh, you know, I don't like people that move that often. I wouldn't hire them. And you know what I tell you, my listeners, don't work for my friend, <laughs> work for somebody else, right? So I think that we need to, again, it's about culture, seek out employers that have an understanding of, you know, your reasons and uh, why you had to leave an organization. And that you can feel authentic and vulnerable and yet confident and courageous to move forward. And I wish I knew that earlier, but I definitely love helping my clients with this and have, and seeing them succeed and be doing so well with their career. So yeah, I am all for it. Okay, second last question that I was asked. If you could go back and give advice to your younger self starting out in today's world, what would it be? I would say that you need to think about yourself and how you show up to the job, to a job interview and so forth, because the way that you show up influence outcomes in your career. And it's all about that fight and flight and all about the intentionality and being there, mindfully there, right? I remember sometimes going to chat with a recruiter and being so worried about what was happening at home with the kids out of school and going walking home by themselves or do you think work will realize that I'm talking to a recruiter and I wasn't actually there you know it, mindfully there paying attention to the recruiter and of course I didn't get the job <laughs> because it showed and it shows your body language, the way you answer, the fact that you are um, a bit distracted, a bit anxious. You're probably not the best candidate that she will see for that opportunity. I am lucky that I have a healthy relationship with myself, but I could do better if I had understood the importance of my mindset and how it can influence outcomes for me. And again, it's something that I love to teach and coach and help people overcome as well. And finally, I was asked about complex business landscapes today and demands on 
being ethical and transparent and how important that is for professionals and how can we ensure that we are upholding principles that are important to us, values that are important to us while we navigate sort of business landscapes. And this was a very interesting question. I think that we sometimes get stuck between whistleblowing and thinking about what that would mean for our careers if it goes wrong. I recently interviewed an attorney and her expertise is employment law. I would urge you to listen to that episode. I don't know what number it will be as soon as it comes out. The link will be in the episode show notes for you. And it is so important to evaluate the benefits to you, the benefits to the organization, to society, to other employees of you coming out and raising the alarm bells for bad behavior, for things that are happening in the organization that are unethical or not great best practices in terms of culture or customer experience, whatever it may be. And I think that this is something that we need to grasp with as corporate professionals and professionals also working in nonprofit and government as well. And, you know, I believe that if we aware that a fight and flight are not necessarily needed anymore because, you know, being kicked out of an organization or deciding to leave an organization is not equivalent to being abandoned by a tribe in the savannah, which is how our brains are still thinking about situations like that, activating our fight and flight. I think that's really important. I think we have better ways now of managing our careers without activating survival mode. I want you to thrive. I want you to think creatively about problems. And I want you to access positive cognitive abilities to move your career forwards with that great mindset, being present in the workplace, sticking up to your principles, seeking out employers that share your values and have the cultures that not only you want to be involved in but you want to engage participate and contribute for as well i hope you have enjoyed this episode the links to the episodes that i have discussed will be down in the episode show notes so let me see if i remember them all there will be one with the attorney in the american attorney on employment law that i want you to listen to there will be mary and rue about personal agility and the future of work there will be the one about leadership styles that i mentioned as well so yeah the links will be in the episode show notes there are 210 additional episodes for you to listen to and we just turned four last week with episode 210 and i'm so excited to be in this sort of fifth year of the podcast and can't wait to share with you many episodes that I have already planned for you, including some very interesting interviews that are coming up. If you want to know more about me or subscribe to my newsletter, it's a weekly newsletter, you can go to my website and do that. It's renatabernardi.com. That's R-E-N-A-T-A-B-E-R-N-A-R-D-E.com. Ciao for now. And I'll see you next time. Bye.